Welcome to this episode of the Gospel Project for Adults Weekly Leader Training Podcast. I'm Daniel Davis. This week we are on Unit 26, Session 3, titled, The Betrayed Priest. As Jesus and his disciples left the upper room, where they observed the first Lord's Supper, Jesus embarked on the final leg of his journey to the cross. He entered the Garden of Gethsemane to pray, knowing all his disciples would fail to stand and watch and pray. He knew Peter would deny him three times. With the knowledge of his pending betrayal and abandonment, Jesus surely felt utterly alone. But he never wavered. In the garden, Jesus did what Adam, the first man, could not do. Jesus stood against the devil and bowed his will to the Father alone. By doing so, he has brought many sons to glory. Even as Jesus was betrayed and arrested and abandoned, and all of that undeservedly, He did not waver in his obedience to the Father and continued to trust in his plan to provide salvation for all who would believe in him. In point one, we see that the Son of Man predicts his abandonment. Jesus and the disciples left the upper room, and while heading to the Mount of Olives in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus foretold that each and every one of his disciples would abandon him that very evening. His evidence for saying so wasn't just that he knew what was about to transpire as the all-knowing Son of God, but he quoted the scriptures, Zechariah 13.7 to be specific. He knew this verse was ultimately written about him and that the time of its fulfillment had come. The disciples were aghast, professing their heart's intent to never deny Jesus. Peter elevated himself in the discussion to say that he would never abandon Jesus, even though all the others might. Then all the other disciples joined in the same grandstanding. They even professed their willingness to die with Jesus. Brave words when you aren't expecting to have to follow through. These disciples had just shared a meaningful time with Jesus in the upper room. Jesus had washed their feet, taught them about what was to come, promised the Holy Spirit, prayed for their unity, and led them in the Passover meal, which he reinterpreted in the Lord's Supper as pointing to himself. No doubt they walked toward Gethsemane with a kick in their step and fire in their hearts. Their experiences with all-powerful Jesus had led them to be bold. But Jesus knew. He knew what was coming. He knew how his disciples would respond. And he knew the guilt that would rack them in the coming days. So he foretold their failure, and specifically Peter's three denials, in order to foretell his victory and his forgiveness. He said, After I have risen, speaking of his resurrection, I will go ahead of you to Galilee, to their home, and the place of their restoration. The grace and forgiveness of our Lord is astounding. Though we struggle and we fall, 1 John 2, 1-2 says that Jesus is our advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. He himself is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for those of the whole world. Those who confess their sins and repent turn around to find our loving Savior with arms outstretched, ever ready to embrace us, forgive us, and restore us to fellowship with Him. In point two, we see that the Son of Man trusts in God's plan. We begin this point by contrasting two pivotal gardens, and specifically the actions within them. In the first, the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve were given the one command not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But seeing that it was good for food and believing it would make one wise, Eve listened to the temptation of the devil and ate the forbidden fruit, 
and Adam followed suit. Their sinful choice ushered sin into God's very good world and marred the ability of humanity to properly bear and reflect the image of God. Ever since, we have needed intervention to enter into fellowship with our holy creator, God. In the second garden, the Garden of Gethsemane, the promised perfect intervention staked his claim that he would obey God the Father to the end. Yet that wasn't without a human desire to avoid God's purpose death for his one and only Son. Jesus prayed three times for this cup of God's wrath against sin to pass from him. The sidebar on leader page 97 has a few extra Old Testament references to the cup that you might find helpful for verbally explaining and depicting what this cup would entail for Jesus. But with each prayer for the cup to pass, Jesus faithfully declared his intent to obey the will of his Father. Earlier in the Gospels, Jesus gave his disciples the model prayer, and I think we would do well to learn from this one too. Jesus prayed with honesty to his Father. God knows our hearts before we even say a word, so why not be honest? Whether for us that be concern for our circumstances, fears for our future, or confession of our sin. But like Jesus, we should also follow up our honesty with our intent to obey, no matter the circumstances or consequences. Jesus taught us to pray, Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. As far as it goes with us, may we be people who embody this prayer, that God's good and perfect will would be obeyed and fulfilled on earth in us. This was Jesus' heart, and his faithfulness to the will of his Father has resulted in salvation for us sinners. May our faithfulness lead to that salvation being proclaimed more and more throughout the earth. In point three, we see that the Son of Man exercises restraint. Had I been in Jesus' shoes at the conclusion of his time in Gethsemane, and I dare say if you had, this whole ordeal would have gone down much differently, including a much more heated exchange of words and probably some pushing and shoving at least. I don't think Judas would have gotten close enough for a kiss, and I certainly wouldn't have called him friend. I may have yelled for swords to be drawn in my defense, or I suppose I could have just walked through the crowd and on my way, as Jesus did on two other occasions. But praise the Lord for the patience and peace of Jesus and his faithfulness to his mission. Jesus submitted himself to the Father's will, and that included the betrayal at the hands of Judas and an arrest by the mob. And all this was to fulfill the scriptures, just as it was for the disciples to abandon him afterwards. This testifies to the faithfulness and inerrancy of scripture. In John 13, 18, Jesus connected Psalm 41, 9 about shared bread with Judas's betrayal. Zechariah 13, 7 foretold the disciples' scattering. And the arrest of Jesus paved the way for the fulfillment of Isaiah 53 with Jesus as the suffering servant. Through all of this, Jesus said he could have called upon twelve legions of angels to come and rescue him. And perhaps that was a temptation already there. In Satan's temptation of Jesus at the beginning of his ministry, Satan quoted from Psalm 91, 11-12 about the angel's concern for the Son. Yet Jesus didn't deny the implication of Satan's quotation. He countered by quoting scripture that we must not test the Lord our God. The angels were always at Jesus' beck and call, but to have called them apart from the Father's will would have been disobedience and sin. 
So, Jesus showed unfathomable restraint. Instead, as he had prayed in the garden, Jesus submitted to the Father's will recorded in the Scriptures. He would lay down his perfect life in sacrifice so that his disciples and followers, for all of time, would be saved to eternal life with him. In the Garden of Eden, Adam failed to resist the serpent and instead chose to follow his way over God's, plunging all the world and all of humanity into sin and death. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus, the last Adam, submitted to his Father's plan. When Jesus died on the cross, he paid the penalty for sin that we all deserve as those born in the likeness of Adam. And he did so so that we may receive his gift of eternal life. Because we have been saved through the sacrifice of Jesus, we believers should embrace suffering as we follow in the footsteps of our Savior, whose mission was to seek and to save the lost. Thanks for listening to this week's leader training for the Gospel Project for Adults. For more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com.